Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea, and we'll be talking shit about Chelsea. Um, I think we're done talking shit about everyone else, Some We need to start talking some shit about ourselves if we haven't started already. Um, I think today's probably going to be one of the more brutally honest podcasts that we've probably ever recorded since we even started five years into our show, so... Without further ado, Psalm, um, without the context of the Chelsea game, how have you been? I mean, how can I answer that question without the context of the Chelsea game? It's, it's ruined my whole mood. I mean, not just this match, the Wolves match over the weekend, we didn't even record after that because we thought, like, all right, this, there's, like, no point. And, Zach, I honestly question whether there's a point to record another podcast the rest of the season. Like, we're watching these games. Is there anything, like, can we draw any conclusions for the future based on the performances that we watch this the rest of the season? I don't think so. I think the players that we're trying to evaluate, we already know what they are at this point. And, like... Frank, God bless his soul, man is just not built to be a manager. Um, you know, it, it, he can be the morale guy, he can be on the bench, whatever. But I don't know. His, it's, that's, that's not happening. So, you know, I mean, he's not, he's not going to stay long term. So even like breaking down what he does, it, it doesn't provide any, any like context for us, you know? Like, what do we do? What are we going to talk about today? I'm breaking the fourth wall a little bit, but I don't know what to talk about. Yeah, man. I mean, look, but normally, if, if you guys are listening and you're a regular listener, um, rather, you know that we usually go through, dissect the match, um, talk about our Twitter questions, and look forward to next match. It would be completely pointless for us to sit here and pinpoint every single mistake Chelsea made today because this podcast would be longer than the Game of Thrones series. <laughs> um, so what we did is we've kind of narrowed it down and saw him. I, I think you just kind of let us start our first conversation about Frank. You know, there's a lot of rhetoric and um, being nice. I'm just going to use the term verbiage. Uh, guided towards Frank and and his ability to coach this team and manage us through this difficult period. I've been on record saying that this is for the vibes. The the move to bring Frank Lampard in was clearly to try and a desperate attempt to inject some sort of atmosphere back into this club and back into the match day uh, atmosphere specifically and hopefully give us a boost for the Champions League. It clearly hasn't done that. I don't think anybody, including you and I, are surprised um, that it hasn't worked out so far. But my question, and this is something that I've been kind of confused about, is everybody's complaining about Lampard this and Lampard that, and oh, you know, well, we're not playing to win, and yada, yada, yada. What's the alternative? To everybody who makes that argument, what exactly is the alternative? Who are we going to bring in that's going to do a better job than Frank Lampard at this point in the season? Because, and, and before you answer this, um, you know, most people will point to, oh, if we've had a top manager, we could have... No, scrap that. Tommy Tuchel's a top manager. He just went to Bayern Munich, and he got bounced out of two out of three potential competitions <laughs> in his first three matches. So if that's not proof that bringing in a top manager into a club that has turmoil in the dressing room, specifically... Um, I don't know what is. So my question to you, and I don't know if you have the answer to this or not, is if Frank Lampard's not the guy, who the fuck is at this point? Like I said, the rest of this season, it's kind of irrelevant. I mean, okay. I'm not going to completely rule out the possibility that Chelsea, just like the stupid magic that we have in Champions League, we somehow 
beat Real Madrid 3-0 in the second leg and we advance like that I'm I can't rule that out completely but if I'm being honest I don't think there's a shot of that happening and it's it's just because this team it's it looks finished like mm-hmm. the players look defeated we we don't have anyone who is a confident goal scorer right now. I mean, I what what are we supposed to confident period? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's it's like I think people are, you know, complaining about, you know, Frank's team selection, maybe his tactics to, you know, play not to, you know, not to lose rather than playing to win. But listen, in order to win, win a soccer match you need to score at least one goal okay like take out how many goals the other team scores if you don't score a single goal it's impossible to win unless you go to penalties but that regardless how are we going to win a game if we can't score it it's just it's just something that we've been lacking so much on this roster and it's something that we talk about every week and it's not it's not like i i want to go out and you know buy like early, like you know oc man or get erling holland like we don't even need that level of a striker like i just want someone who striker is their natural position you know and yeah. until we have that like it's, like i'm looking at the the starting 11 today I couldn't have picked a better 11, to be honest. I mean, I think he he made all the right decisions. He played probably our best 11 in a formation where, like, I, I think I said this last episode, we're not going to score, so you might as well add in the extra midfielder. Like, mm-hmm. what difference is three attackers going to do if, if we're not going to score? Three versus two, the end result is still going to be zero or one goal, maybe if we're lucky, but I I don't know what he could have done differently there. And I, I don't think I agree with you. I think the starting lineup is not where the issue was because it was a pretty strong team. I think the only difference I would have made is maybe not start Sterling. I think Sterling's been awful, awful. And I'm, I fucking advocated for this guy and he's let me down as well as the rest of the Chelsea fan base. But it just seems like he's lost his ability to take players on one V one. He's lost um you know obviously his pace it, it, it's just looks completely non-existent um so i think the only argument you can make is okay maybe mudrick starts and i i know last time he was at the bernabeu he got a standing ovation from them but for me the issue wasn't with the starting 11 it was more if you could criticize frank anywhere it's a substitutions kukurea for Koulibaly. I mean, time and time again, we see Kukurea play as a center back, and it's just, it's disastrous. Every single time. There's only like no, maybe one or well, two games. Yeah, where, it's not every single time. But, but there's only been one or two games where it's been half decent. And it's not like he's going in there, taking the game by storm, putting in a man of the match shift, and then having a couple bad games. No, he's just not fucking up. That, that's his version of having a good game, is not fucking up. And today, he fucked up. Him and Ben Chilwell. Mm. I don't know what he's doing literally on the same line as our midfielders getting caught so far high up oh, all gets man. chipped over the top and obviously Chilwell makes a stupid fucking tackle but like i mean yeah, it's, we, it's frustration it, more than anything for me i want to ask you yeah is that, is that what you think the ben Chilwell tackle like like there's there's no argument to be made that that was the right decision right like like i i don't no. care if it's a one-on-one chance with the keeper you you take that risk of him scoring a goal rather than us playing with 10 men for the rest of the match and then you missing the second leg too. Yeah, especially like knowing... Whammy. Especially considering that he's been one of our best players as of late. You know, the, across the last three or four matches, I would argue Chilwell's been the most consistent. Consistently Absolutely. been a threat down the left-hand side. I mean, it's just... Um, this is just like a summary of our season where... Yeah. You know, like within five minutes, Koulibaly gets hurt. We have to take him out, and then Ben Chilwell gets sent off with the red. 
yeah. in a match in, in the biggest match of the season so far, where honestly in the first half we had a lot of chances. Mm-hmm. And I mean like right off the back, that Joao Felix chance. Um I I know that you said that you don't have a problem with that. Like, you know, him he just got caught up, but I don't know, his first touch, his second touch, he could have done more. He could have, you know, he, he could have cut back. Like, he just... Wasn't decisive kicked, enough. He just kicked the ball. He ran down the pitch and he kicked the ball right at the keeper. He wasn't doing... And that's something about... I mean, that's just something that Felix has been showing, honestly, this whole season. I mean, I know he's a great dribbler. He's, you know, he's creative. But I don't... I mean, him as a goal scorer... He's not, and, and, and but here's yeah. here's the thing, and this is the issue I keep, and I know we're kind of bouncing around everywhere here, but which is I, I think that's the whole I point. Think of that, this I think that's the whole point, but like <laughs> just like touch on Joao Felix, I, I've come to the conclusion that I'm actually kind of nervous about signing him long term, and I'm and yeah. I'm, uh, I'm a little bit skeptical, at least at this point in time. Um, I'm with you. He doesn't like you said because he doesn't necessarily seem to be a goal scorer or at least a consistent one uh, for that respect. I think he has goals in him, but I I don't think he'll ever be putting up you know striker numbers di- or prolific numbers. I I think he could creep into double digits, but Mason Mountain did last oh. year. Big whoop. Um, but the other thing is I I'm also not completely sold on the fact that he's an out and out playmaker and that he's there solely to set his teammates up. And I feel like he is one of those luxury players that's been so used to playing in sides that are trying to accommodate him as opposed to him accommodating the side. And I just need to see some more consistency out of him in order for me to be completely sold that this is going to be our marquee signing this summer to turn everything around. Because we're already 600 million deep. We're already going to have a a, a little bit of trouble with a potential... Um, I don't know if it's going to be fines or whatnot, but FFP is coming to bite us in the ass very soon. If we're going to go out and spend 150 million, do we really have, or not maybe not 150, but even if it's 100, 75 to 100 for Joao? It makes me nervous because we've done that before on players, and they fucking suck. <laughs> Let's look at Keppa. Look at Romelu Lukaku. Look at Murata. I mean, we're all talking about players with similar transfer fees. Look at Kai Havertz. Look I mean, all guys. Mark Kukurea. Mark Kukurea. I mean, these are all signings for stupid money that haven't worked out. You go look across the rest of Europe. I don't think teams are striking out on 60, 70 million signings as often as we are. <laughs> I just don't. I really don't. <laughs> I don't think so either, man. No. I, 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 I mean, think, think about so it. Either. Who was Who was Man City's last 200 million pound signings? Jack Grealish and Erling Holland. They're about to win them the league. They just beat Bayern by themselves yesterday. Yeah, like and you can say like a lot of people are down on Jack Grealish like because I guess slow start. As of, as of recent, he's been picking it up. Yeah. But I'll take what Jack Grealish has been doing the past 2 years on Man City over a lot of our of our uh, attacking players. He's a world beater now. Out of nowhere, he's become a world beater. Yeah, he's been he's scoring, assisting almost every match now. Yeah, and then you look at Arsenal, they go out and buy Gabby Jesus for 55, 60 million-ish. And he looks like the bee's knees for them before he got hurt too. I mean, he's the one that kind of gave, that catapulted them to the strong start for the season. He was scoring goals left, right, and center. I, I, you just kind of go down the list. Even Darwin Nunez scores goals for Liverpool. I mean, he was a running joke for the first half of the season, and he got his shit together. What <laughs> excuse does the donkey Havertz have for four fucking years being here, not doing jack shit? Like that, and, and that's my problem, and that's why I'm worried about going out and spending this much money on another player who seems to be. And I heard this today, um, and and I and I wish I could cite my source, but I I, I can't because I've listened to almost every single YouTube video post match, but. Somebody said something along the lines of, we have so many middle third players and not enough attacking third players. And I think that's so true. You know, you just mm-hmm. look at, you look at guys like Kovacic, guys like Enzo, guys like, I mean, I mean you go down the list, Mason Mount, Connor Gallagher, Loftus-Cheek, Conte. Kai Havertz, Conte. I mean, you talk about anybody, anybody and everybody that can 
enter the attacking third during some phase of play for Chelsea is a middle third player. Not a single one of those players I look at and go, yep, that guy will punish you if you make a mistake. Not a single one. Not Pulisic, not Mudrik, not Havertz, not Sterling, not Mount, not Gallagher. I mean, we go down the whole freaking list and not find one person that I can solidly look at and say with full confidence, it, nine times out of ten, if, that, if, if, we, if you make a mistake, that guy will punish you for it. Not a single one out. And, and Joao Felix is on that list for me now, too, because, yes, he creates a lot of chances. He gets himself into great positions. But his inability to finish those chances and then also his inability to find teammates and make the extra pass when the extra pass is on really worries me. Because if you're not going to be a goal scorer, then just be an out-and-out -out creator, fine. But make the right decisions most of the time. And he's not doing that either. So I'm not saying I'm down on him completely. The jury's still out. Maybe this is just a bad run of form. Maybe his form will turn when the team's form turns. But guess what? Yeah. The team's form isn't turning anytime soon. So he it's pretty much on him. He has to sell himself. If 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 I'm if I'm the board of directors or Todd Bowley, Joao Felix has to sell himself to me at this point in time. And and here's the other point as well. And this is something that we've talked about on so many episodes, so it's not like this is a breakthrough idea, but you know, we have Nkunku coming in next year, and that's pretty much already locked in. It is. It's official. So, and he's pretty much going to be playing the role that we envision um, Drow Felix to play. Mm -hmm. And, you know, where we think that he, when he flirt, you know, if he develops, because remember, he's only, what, 23 years old? 25 he, or 26, uh, I think. No, Nkunku. he's not. Who? Drow Felix? Oh, no, no, Nkunku. Yeah, oh, I'm talking about... Felix, yeah, 23, 23, Yeah, 24. he's younger than Mason Mount, you know? So he still has time to develop, but the, it's, that's not, like, we, we've, just, we've said it so many times on this episode. We've said it so many times in the last 30 episodes, every episode this season. We need a goal scorer, Zach. I... Use that money and buy someone who can actually put the ball in the back of the net. Like, again, like, I don't need a world beater necessarily. But the guy who I always, like, think of, and I don't want to, like, go out and go get him. But a guy like Danny Ings, where he's not, he, no one would call him, like, a top 10 striker at any point of his career. But he is a striker. And if he's in a situation to score, he's probably going to score. Yeah. So, like, someone like him, and it, it's, that's why the Broja injury is, it hurts me more than it hurts him, probably. No, I, I'm sure his knee hurts more than my heart. Um, but, like, he just had, he had so much opportunity to play. Yeah, it could have been him is the point like he could have been that guy to come in and sort of shake up the way we play because i mean he's a brute we don't have anybody in the team with his profile of player like you stick him up top he's knocking center backs on their asses he's running them ragged i mean he'll give you 90 minutes of 110 percent effort and we don't get that from anyone else and some to your point like to the danny ing's point you're right i think you know, finding any sort of, and it, I don't even think it has to be a true out-and-out out number nine. It just needs to it be does. somebody that can score goals. Like anybody no, he needs to be a nine. He needs but, to play in the. He needs to play in the sen center of the pitch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Of course, but I'm not saying in the traditional sense of the nine, meaning he needs to be a six-two brute that's great in the air. It just needs to be a natural goal scorer that's going to be at the right place at the right time, like today. How many times did we see the ball get spit across the box and nobody at the front post or nobody making that far post run? Like, we need somebody that's going to sort of fill in those gaps and anticipate the run of play and get on the end of those half chances. And, and I said like, this after Real scored their first goal too. I know we're not going to go out there and get Kareem Benzema because he's the best striker in the world at this point in time, but somebody that can score the type of goal that he scored today, right? Something scrappy. It doesn't even have to be a clear-cut chance for him. Just a simple follow-up on somebody yeah. else's shot. 
can result to leading up to a goal. When was the last time we scored one of those? When was the last time we scored, period? It's been over four <laughs> matches. And I think it's the longest but, it's the longest like, dry spell since the nineties, man. It's 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 bad. Like really bad. Yeah, I mean you look at the goal differential. I think we're minus one right now in the league. Minus, Erling Holland. We're minus two goal differential in the league, and we lost more games in all competitions than we've won. We've lost sixteen and, and won only fifteen. Erling Holland single handedly has more goals than Chelsea Football Club this season. Just just in the league, but in, in all competitions, yeah, but in, in the Premier League. I mean, okay, so going back quickly to just like what I was saying about a striker, like you're saying it doesn't have to be a striker, he just has to be a goal scorer. Like I don't want to convert I don't want another winger converted to a striker. You know, like he doesn't have to be six two. Like look at Ollie Watkins. Yeah. Ollie Watkins like He's he's a striker. Would you? But like, but, but he's a, he's a, he's more he's a tra- he's a traditional striker. Like he can he can just flat out lead a line if he needs to. That's okay. Well, that's, that's yeah. the type. That's the type of player that I want. I want yeah. a guy who's a goal scorer and he's like a, a pure striker. Mm-hmm. I don't want like what we're doing with Raheem Sterling, where he's not a striker. He's not a center forward, but we're yeah. playing him in the middle. It it's he's not. That's not his not role. Where he belongs. Exactly. So you know, I mean, Kai Havertz obviously he's not a striker, but. Like I just want someone who their whole life growing up, you know, in in the youth squad, and you know, development. Like they have been playing striker, they know how to play that role. And I don't know why, but like the name that so obviously we have Lukaku coming back next year. I think at this point it's kind of inevitable that he that we're gonna have him, and I don't know what we're gonna do with him, like. We're we're paying him too much to just have him sit at home all day. Like I think we will. Let's like, hope Saudi comes in and offers him some stupid money to go partner Cristiano or something. I don't know. I mean, I mean that's okay. my only hope. So that that's just one of our options, and I don't know why I thought of this, but I know we have we have the buyback clause on Tammy Abraham, and that's like seventy million. But I wouldn't I wouldn't pay that much for him right now. Yeah, and I don't. Th- I don't think a lot of teams would pay, you know, that much he, or anything he, close right now. He hasn't been very good. I mean, let's be honest. He hasn't. He hasn't staked his claim in that Roma squad. Yeah, and, that's a that's a bad idea too. I don't even know I mean, what to do at this point. But, but that's the perfect example of one of those seventy million pound signings that I just want to completely avoid. Like, if we're gonna go out and spend seventy or eighty million, go get somebody that you know can score twenty goals a season. Not he could. I'm done with that because we bought Madueke, we bought Mudrik, we bought Nkunku now. I mean, we're, we're buying all of these fancy attacking players and saying they could be good, but we're not seeing anything. Or they're just not being utilized. So go out, get somebody that actually has experience, somebody that's actually done it, and somebody that doesn't need to be sort of handheld along the way and, 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 and urged to be patient with. No. Like, you know what I miss? And maybe I'm reminiscing, and maybe I'm just asking for too much, but I miss the good old days where we would go out and buy a veteran striker like an Ali Giroud, somebody that's been in the Premier League for seven or eight seasons, knows exactly what to expect, and you know exactly what to expect out of him. And he can get you your goals. Like and it's, and it's but, funny because like, I, like if you look back on some of the moves, like obviously the Fernando Torres you know, deal, getting Iguain getting Eto, like, all of these Otto, guys. Falcao. Like, yeah, like, po- like, I would take any of those guys right now on this team <laughs> at that time. I, like, even if they were bad, like, I, th- those guys are still goals, like, like, strikers. They know how I think to score. You, I think you forgot about how bad Pato and Falcao got, but... Okay, I didn't say Pato, you did. Yeah, <laughs> Falcao, yeah, but, okay. Falcao, I think we could have made it work. I'll take Fernando Torres over whoever's starting up top now. I mean, let's that that's just plain and simple. I mean, the point is Torres has had big performances for us. He's like a, he's a big and and this is where it really irks me because he's a big game player, right? He scored he scored one. He scored important and, goals. He's played in important matches. He's he played been one and he's yeah. done that. He was the best striker in the Premier League for how many seasons when he was at Liverpool? Yeah, Liverpool. <laughs> yeah, no, but 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 I'm saying we went out and we bought somebody that 
yeah was has was performed established. before like exactly and and i know we did that with the lukaku signing and that's fine and great and all but that fell flat on its face with keppa we didn't do that with kukurea we didn't do that with kai havertz we didn't do that you know they, they have one or two good seasons and then we go pick them up for damn near 100 million we can't be doing that anymore um i forgot what point i was gonna make but yeah i mean i i want to at this point yeah, who gives a fuck? <laughs> but I, I want to touch on Bully really no quick b- before we kind of forget because I know we're kind of oh my god running out of things to criticize here without beating it to death. But before the match, uh, a Sky journalist asked him how he thought the match was going to go, and he replied, three nil. It's going to be great. <laughs> we're going to win, and uh, oh the Chelsea fans should be excited for their futures, and yada, yada, yada. Listen. I'm only going to say this once. Todd Bowley needs to be very careful. <laughs> what do you mean? He you really only say that once. You've said this. Really... You said this. You said that exact sentence in the past three episodes. <laughs> no, 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 no. But but now, Sam, it's gotten to the I'm point now where like, I mean, he's really putting his neck out there and standing on it with both feet, and it's and it's. I don't making think it's the right stupid. thing to do. Yeah, he's it... making. You know what though. Here, here, here's the first thing that struck me when I heard that. One, the man doesn't know football because you don't talk shit hey. about the defending Ballon d'Or winners team heading into a, a, a knockout stage match in their fucking stadium. Like, like he you, you do shit. not. What did he talk shit about? He said we're gonna win three 0 Okay, bro. But he said we're gonna go there when three. No, what is he gonna Some, say? He says, "Me and what you." Is, what, what, is, what is he supposed if, to say? We don't stand if, a chance. If I'm if I'm managing against your team and your owner goes out and says, "Yeah, we're gonna win three nothing," I'm gonna be that much more driven to fucking kick your ass when we play you. Like you cannot tell me that that wasn't a little Ted Lasso. Let's show uh, what's his face ripping the believe sign. No spoiler. No spoiler. At halftime, kind of yeah. thing. I mean, I mean, but, 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 okay. No, here's another one. Here's another one. Sorry okay. to cut you off. But like yeah. when the chiefs beat the Bengals, like the mayor of Cincinnati, they were like, we, we officially deem Arrowhead field as Burrowhead. And after the game, like, like they for sure use that as, as like, you know, uh, cool. yeah, exactly. And you know, and what's his name? Kelsey called him a, what do you call him? Jabroni. Know. He called him a jabroni. <laughs> Nobody uses that word anymore. It's a funny he, word. He said it was. It's a, Iraq used to say it all the time. Yeah, yeah. He 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 did a rock quote. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the rock used to call everybody jabronis. But like, but back to the bully point. Like, it's not just the fact that he can, you know, get Real Madrid fired up, and you know, we obviously know that Real Madrid turns up for the big matches. They're the defending champions of europe but it's also just flat out disrespectful to them as well you know you you don't talk about real madrid in that light especially when they're defending champions you could go and talk about spurs like that you can go and talk about arsenal like that but don't talk (laughs) about real like that because you will it's not a matter of oh yeah the boys will go out there and they'll handle their business no no no. you talk shit about real madrid you will get egg on your face that's a foregone conclusion like, over their dead bodies, they're going to lose that game and, and, and give up a result against the shittiest team in Europe since the World Cup. So, <laughs> Are we the shittiest team in Europe? <laughs> well, probably in the top flights. I, I, I mean, we've scored the least amount of goals in the Premier League. Nottingham Forest, fucking Bournemouth are scoring more goals than us. Fucking Philip Bing is 10 times the striker Kai Havertz ever was. It, it, it's fucking ridiculous, but... I'm going off on a tangent here, Sam. What Bowley did really bothered me today, and I, I, I've, I've tried defending him over and over and over, but this is just my God-honest opinion. I feel like he bit off more than he can chew. And I think by not surrounding himself with football people right from the get-go, really fucked him over in the long run, because he has a lot of convincing to do. I think right now, at this point in time, he has more convincing to do to Chelsea fans than he did when he first came in. I think there's a difference between like what you're talking about, like the quotes, all that stuff, and then just like what he's doing 
uh, like team building wise, you know, like like football wise, you know, there's there, there's business wise, there, there's a lot of different aspects to it. But for it's for some reason, I mean, it's not for some reasons because he's the new American owner. But you hear way more out of Todd Bowley than you do out of any other team's owner. I mean, I hear more more uh, from him than I do about uh, Wrexham's owners. What's his? What are their names? Ryan Reynolds. <laughs> Ryan Reynolds. Yeah, he talks more just, than Ryan Reynolds. But I think that's just a result of them being the new guys on the block. And obviously, I think, I think that's a part obviously, of it, the spotlight's going to be on them. We're a bigger draw than Newcastle is because those are the only, that's the only other team with new ownership. I mean, maybe Liverpool, but that kind of went under the radar. But and the wheels are falling it. off. Like. Sam, it's always been good press, at least in the press's eyes. It's always been a great story when Chelsea suck. Like, it always makes for a good headline in their eyes. I mean, look, I think as, like, the moves that he's made since taking over, he's had some hits, he's had some misses. Just, like, just close your mouth and stop talking to the press. Like that—that's my only thing. Like, just you're Give already in a bad. Yeah, like you're already in. Well, that too. You could do that. Give or them the oh well. Talk. We'll see how it goes. You know, they're a great team and they have a lot of talented players. You could always leave it at that. That way, you're respecting them. You're not saying too much. You're always, you know, you're 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 neutral. You got to stay neutral. Yeah, and now he's coming off as like an arrogant American. For Which sure. he is. I mean, I mean, let's be honest. Based on the evidence that we have today, he's an arrogant American. <laughs> I mean, that, that the signings we've made off my team. <laughs> the, the, the signings we've made are ambitious, yes, but ambitious only in the sense that we've spent a lot of money. I don't think we've bought the right profile of players more times than not. I think he's made more mistakes than he's made good decisions. I think he made the worst mistake in the world by bringing in a guy like a Graham Potter. I think the biggest mistake he made was from day one, not walking in through the door saying, Hey guys, I'm the new owner. I'm going to be honest. I don't know shit about football. But <laughs> listen, somebody tell me who's our coach and tell me why you think he's so good. Oh, he just won you the most prestigious competition 12 months ago. Awesome. Looks like we have a top three guy. Perfect. Maybe I should back him. That was his biggest fucking mistake. You know, not completely uprooting the foundation that we already had and were on the way to establishing. Whether or not the wheels were falling off with Tuchel and the players, all of that. Beside the point, you could have come in from day one before things went sour and said, look, my football people told me you're the man. The results haven't been going the way we've liked towards the end of last season, coming into this preseason. What can we do to help and give him a chance? I mean, what, what, like, ultimately, what risk are you taking by keeping a guy like Tuchel here and backing him through the end of the season? There's no I mean, risk. Okay, hindsight is no. Hindsight, hindsight is, is fully 2020, but some. We didn't think we would be here at this point, Zach. After we sacked Tuchel, who was on the managerial market? Zach, we all wanted Graham Potter. Every single one of us was foaming at the. We were drooling over the possibility of getting. I wasn't drooling. I wasn't drooling. I was not drooling. I I would admit. uh, Listen, I'll admit that I was excited, and everybody was. I think there was just a general sense of okay, we we spent a lot of money. We got a new manager in. Still early, early days. Before we even got him, Zach, I'm like. Like before we got him, we didn't know about the price. We, like he was the number one guy on all of our lists, and we all f- had high expectations for him. I I don't put I don't put that blame necessarily on Graham Potter because I guarantee you, all of the football-minded people on you know in the organization who were in his ear, they were all saying that too. You, you, well, you yeah, we that, know that now. Yeah, yeah, they were all saying everybody. Everybody stuck with them basically through the end. I mean, so, it was so only... you can't. So I'm not even gonna. I'm not gonna say that's his fault. I'm not gonna say that was like a bad decision in no. the moment. No, I no, think no. Now, obviously, 
it was a terrible decision, but like anyone would have would have thought that but wasn't the approach right couldn't the approach have been different like i said you come in oh. and say listen and put your hands up and just say i don't know shit somebody bring me up the speed that's it because if he asks anybody within that organization under the abramovich era if he goes up to any single one of them and asks them hey tell me about our manager they're all going to say the same thing he won us the Is fucking that- champions league he's a top manager because between you Zach, and me, with Zach. the money we have, Chelsea should only have a top five manager. That's it. We shouldn't have Zach. any of these fucking little project, finish 12th with Brighton bullshit. I'm done with it. I need somebody that's proven. I need somebody that's been there. I need somebody that's done that. And I want somebody that's going to chop a player's head off if he's acting out of line. We just haven't had that. I feel like these guys have gone so long just undisciplined. Let down after let down after let down because let's be honest, it wasn't it wasn't Bowley that got Tuchel fired. Ultimately, it was the players, and it always is the players. It always falls back on them. Look, I'm not I'm not going to disagree with that. That you're right about that, and we we want the same profile for a manager, but you know it's like I, I just don't agree with you with the premise of ask any of anybody in the in uh, in the team and they'll know thomas tuchel he won a champions league he's the guy like we've fired top five managers who've won us leagues who've won us champions leagues after two three years mm-hmm. because that one they had one bad season it's not this is not a todd bully you know coming in and fucking up kind of thing like this is that's no. normal practice just it's because he won a Champions league just because he didn't champion doesn't mean he's untouch- doesn't mean he's untouchable. It, like, no, 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 you know, it's it's it, it's a comedy of errors. And like I said, the players have responsibility. The previous ownership has a responsibility. The current ownership has a responsibility. The managers Tuchel and Potter both have a responsibility because they both dropped a lot of points this season. So uh, yeah. I'm not saying it's just on Bowley, but oh, of course not. I'm just but, talking but, about this one, the one, yeah. the one thing of of. Sacking Tuchel and bringing Graham Potter in. That, Tuchel, this is the one Tuchel, decision I'm talking Tuchel about. Tuchel should have been sacked from... from uh, I'm just going to get that out of the way. Tuchel got sacked at the right time. I would what are you, then what's your argument decision. right now? My argument was from day one when he came in. Tuchel got sacked, what, a month, a month and a half into the season. You, from so day you number one, Tuchel day the one? First, the first person that you need to kiss up to and the first person you need to make sure is on the same page as you is Tommy Tuchel. And he okay, and, and, and he, he, did he didn't that. do that. Okay, no, he didn't. He, did, okay, he got I'm, mad I'm, that Tuchel didn't respond. He got mad that Tuchel didn't want to text on WhatsApp. But I, I, that's not what I said. I said even if he did, if he had these same results, it doesn't matter. You know, the results I, I, were what like like I'm we, not we didn't know. We didn't know about the behind the the scene stuff until after he was sacked. No, no. and we were all on board with it. I'm not disagreeing. Even if he sat Tuchel down and said, what can I do for you? If the results go sideways, they go sideways. There's no arguing your way out of that. I just don't like the All I'm saying is I don't think think that I'm sold on the fact that Bully came in and really vetted Tuchel as much as he should have before breaking before the relationship got sour let me just put it that way i don't know i mean it would have been and and, that and the, time been frame, the time frame i'm referring to is not the first three or four weeks of the season when we started dropping points the time frame i'm referring to is literally the day the club was taken over can you like, imagine if he came in and the first thing he did was sack thomas tuchel that would be crazy zach no 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 you need you need to make sure your manager is on the same page as you. They had to wait a month and a half to find out that he wasn't, and then you sack him. I don't know, man. That's and then, and, it's and, and then you're gonna go throw all your eggs in Harry Potter's basket. It it, it doesn't make sense. All right, let's not get hung up up over this. But yeah, no, it's it's I, it's a moot point. Hindsight's mm-hmm. twenty twenty on that. But like, the point being is. I'm worried. Stop talking. (laughs) And I think a lot of other Chelsea fans should be worried right now. Like, seriously, we haven't seen any sign that this guy has shown that he knows what he's doing. All right. um, I I guess, I mean, I already said, do you think we have a chance in the second leg? Like, is it even worth watching at this point? And look, we're all going to watch, but yeah, I'm probably going to watch. 
I don't think that we have a chance. And if you do, God bless you. I hope you stay positive. But I'm just being realistic. I mean, the side, this side is so, and I know Frank talked about it after the game. And mathematically, we've seen team uh, historically we've seen teams come back from two 0 down. Mathematically, it's still doable. Yes, it could happen, but it's just not. This team is not cut from the same cloth as 2012 or 2021. 2012 had JT Lampard, Czech, Terry, Essien, Ivanovic. I mean, all those guys that Rob, Roberto Di Matteo could pull in for his first day in charge and say, listen, I'm going to rely on you. Let's take this shit as far as we can. And then in 2021, we obviously had the brilliance of Tommy Tuchel. I mean, he made us the best defensive team in Europe for the second half of the season. And that's where we got our uh, Champions League from. So I don't see any sort of identity or leadership or mentality or individuals in this side that are going to turn the tie around in the second leg. What, we might get a scrappy goal or we might get lucky and get a pen? Sure. But I don't think we're winning it. Okay. Can I make, can I say something crazy? Sure. Did you, so you, you turned off, did you actually turn off the match with like 10 minutes left? <laughs> I turned it off at like the 83rd or 84th. I was done. So with you it. didn't see, so you didn't see Mason Mount come on, did you? I saw, actually, no, I did see Mount come on. I turned it off right after he missed his chance. So whatever minute that was. That was like the 93rd minute. <laughs> that was like, that was all, the game was pretty much, that was like the end of the Good. game. Then that tells so you, you how fucking, that tells you how fucking engaged I was for the whole game. It was a... <laughs> so that, that chance, I talked about this last episode. When I wanted Mason Mount benched, I didn't want him phased out of the squad completely. I I really didn't because I'm not giving up on him. Like the difference between like a Mason Mount and like a Kai Havertz who I have given up on is we've seen Mason Mount play at a high level at a con on a consistent basis for a long period of time as opposed to a guy like Kai Havertz where it's sporadic. He looks good one week, he looks bad the next week, stuff like that. And I just I know Mason Mount has it in him to come back. I think that we're going to see him a lot more this season, and I think we're going to be pleasantly surprised with how he plays. That's all I'm going to say. That's all I, I want to say. I hope you're right. Because I still love him. I still have mad love for Mason Mount. I know he's been a very polarizing player for the Chelsea fan base this season. And I know the whole contract situation thing. Obviously, he loves the club. Otherwise, this, you know, the contract situation would have not been so difficult for him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're valuing him at $70 million. That's what I've heard. I don't know if we're going to get that much out for him. But uh, I don't know if I want this to end, man. I want to give him, like, another year or two. But I don't know, man. Let's just let's just focus on surviving. Like I just like uh, right now the goal is just don't get relegated. I mean, look yeah, ahead. I was looking at the table today. We're only twelve points ahead of the drop zone. Yeah, and look at look at the remaining schedule, man. It's it's not easy. We I have... mean, this is it's what made this season so difficult. Is that when we were dropping when we dropped points, we dropped <laughs> points to the teams that we should be fucking winning picking up have, points against it's we have brighton this weekend that's mm -hmm. that's probably a loss united after that or that was postponed brentford after that probably a loss arsenal after that probably a loss bournemouth who knows united probably a loss nottingham forest who knows man city probably a loss newcastle probably a loss so <laughs> I could see us getting like two points out of that. Like, and I think Will 41 that's... be enough to get us across the line. <laughs> Dude, uh... is that, I mean, like, this is actually the current situation. I, you know, like, people joked about it for, for weeks, and I just thought, like, just shut up. Or this is not, like, that's not our concern. Our concern is not winning. It's not, it's not worrying about getting relegated, but the way we're playing, 
it is seriously like, it's actually it's actually like a legitimate like possibility i don't know like i'll well, give it a well, one I'll you, possibility i'll, I'll tell i think i think I'll hold tell on, you sorry what? i think we have a better chance of getting relegated than we have of beating real madrid in the second leg <laughs> let's put it that way they're both very small but yeah i mean look I think I think one positive, potential positive that you could draw from this, and I, I have to draw a po- some sort of positive because there's no point in being completely negative, but between now and the end of the season, if the season really is truly gone and there is not much to play for or nothing else to play for, then just play the kids and just play the new guys. Let's see what they're all about. Just like stop playing Kovacic, stop playing Kai. Stop playing stop. Sterling. Stop playing Reese James. Let Reese James get his knee surgery. Shut his ass down Ooh. and let him get his knee surgery. He's not the same player. He's not. The last three or four games, he's really been struggling. And it looks like he's Ooh, like not it's either he's not it it's it's either he's not fit or He's still he's in not pain. confident, or he's, or it might be in the back of his head that he's just worried that it's, he's, it, uh, his muscle or his knee is gonna go again if he treks up and down the field like we're used to seeing him. But you need to make sure that he's okay because he's your best player. So shut him down, let him get his surgery, square pegs and round holes for the rest of the season. Play Mudrik, play Madueke, play both Fofanas, play Badiashil, play Lewis Hall. Play Connor Gallagher. Who's gonna play, play all right those back. guys? I don't know. Well, Chalaba. Let's just play Chalaba. Figure right it out. Back. Play Chalaba. I'm bringing in Kukurea and play Chalaba for God's sake. I mean, like, what difference does it make at this point? It doesn't make any difference, and that's my point. I would rather have Mudrik go out there and learn how to get kicked 35 times every single week in the Premier League so he can expect it going into next season, yeah, as opposed to sitting it. on the bench watching everyone else get kicked 35 times a week. And then be that much further behind everyone else starting next season. Because guess what? He's another hundred million pound signing that we haven't gotten anything out of. Partially because we haven't even been using it. So fucking use him. Use him. Use Madueke. Use Fofana. That should be a front three one game. That should be a front three the rest of the season. Honestly, what are we waiting for? What are we waiting for? What has Havertz, Sterling, Pulisic, what have any of those other guys shown us? Nothing. I would argue out of the three of those, Pulisic is probably the player that I I could argue might have some sort of impact, but guess what? He hasn't. And he doesn't stay healthy. And for some reason, it hasn't worked out for him. Just like all those other guys. So give the new guys a chance. Please, Frank. Please. It's not rocket science. If, 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 because the group that played today, and this is going to be the last point I'm going to make, Song. The group that played today just simply gave up. They were pathetic. You need to find a group that's not going to give up and not be pathetic. At this point in time, it's that simple. It's not a matter of systems or formations or styles of play or pragmatism or whatever. None of that. No philosophy, no none of that. It literally comes down to who gives a fuck and who does it so make the right decision frank with that being said i don't i don't give a fuck that i'm one of the people who doesn't give a fuck the rest of the year yeah well, well get, me neither i have no well, emotional I, attachment I, between I, now I, and the end of the season my emotional attachment is out the window as long as we don't get relegated it can't get worse than the way i feel right now i'll put up a front and say that it doesn't matter but deep down inside it's gonna kill me watching every match yeah, because I'll pretend you know like why? it doesn't matter, but it does. You know why it'll kill you? Because you're gonna watch every match, and you're gonna watch 90 minutes of us not scoring. You're gonna watch 90 minutes of football with maybe two shots on target. Joao Felix hits the post, and then you're gonna go about the rest of your day. That's Realistically, the only thing I have to look forward to the rest of the season is, and I need this to happen, just like for my mental health. We need to see Arsenal bottle the league. It needs to happen. Because yeah. if you combine the season that we had 
and cap it off with with Arsenal winning the Premier League for the first time in what sixteen years. Yeah. I, I I'm not gonna be able to I'm not gonna be able to handle it, Zach. I really am. I'm not gonna leave my house for a month. I mean, this is this is the worst I've ever felt as a Chelsea fan. I don't think it's mm-hmm. ever been lower than this, and I don't think it will be. Hopefully not. But I mean, it's one thing when your team doesn't win matches. We've experienced that before, right? Every other season where managers have gotten fired, it's a result of not winning. But I don't think we've ever seen a group of players give up from top to bottom. I mean, even the guys that we can rely on are starting to play poorly. Reese James was terrible. Chilwell was terrible. Enzo Fernandez was terrible. The only two guys that weren't awful were Thiago Silva and Conte. And as expected, those are the only two world-class players in this side. Yeah. So. Agreed. You have two world-class players, and as of right now, at this point in time, a bunch of chumps. (laughs) Just being brutally honest. So... If you're still listening, God bless you. Um, we're surprised Therapy that you haven't, session. you haven't paused it and uh, never listened to it again. Yeah, I mean, sometimes when I hear podcasts like this, I just pause it and never listen to them again. Um, but yeah, make sure you're following us on Twitter, at Blues on Parade. Keep an eye out for our future episodes. Obviously, we'll continue recording through the rest of the season, even though we're not getting the results that we want. Um, we're not going to give up on you like the players did. We can guarantee you that. So. Uh, make sure you're looking out for our episodes. Normally, we do have a question. Sweet, didn't post one after this um, this match. Shit, Obviously, Zach, we're fucking up. This is like three episodes in a row where we haven't done a single Twitter question. Well, honestly, we're fucking I up, man. I, I don't know if I would have been in the mood to answer any of them because when it comes down to the X's and O's right now, that's really not the problem. Deeper than that. But hey, shout out to Kevin McGrath. We're number five on his list of best Chelsea podcasts. <laughs> Huge shout out. And until next week, keep the blue flag flying high. Or, in our case, at half mast. <laughs> RIP to the <this> season. <laughs>